Welcome back to the UNT MindSpark podcast. You are listening to the Make a Life Stories series. I'm your host, Madan. Today, we have a guest from Texas Christian University Fab Lab, Brad Trussell, who works as an innovation collaborator. Welcome to our podcast. We're happy to have you here. All right. Um, I mean, my name is Brad, uh, Brad Trussell from uh, TCU. I, uh, I run the TCU Fab Lab in the library. Mm-hmm. And um, I, <clears throat> I actually started at UNT. Uh, I got my master's there from Learning Technologies, LTEC, out in Discovery Park. Uh, and that's, that's where I had actually started for me with 3D printing and, and, and all the maker stuff started there at UNT before I even came to CCU. I came to TCU straight from UNT. Mm-hmm. Um, my title is innovation collaborator. Uh, a few people get a little confused by it, but basically I work with students, staff, and faculty over just innovative techniques, product, you know, whatever it may be technology wise, um, to help them create, make whatever, uh, on their projects, prototypes, all kinds of different things here. So it, it's, it's kind of, a, a bunch of different areas before here I did. Uh, a lot of audio video as well, Premiere for a lot of Adobe stuff, Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, Dreamweaver, all those kind of stuff is what I started with before uh, um, I started with more 3D stuff. Well, that's uh, exciting. Um, looks like even before you got into the makerspace environment, you had a background uh, in you know doing 3D printing and everything uh, re- related to the technology. And how do you think your you know your masters prepared you to this job that you're right in for me i think it really helped with um well the technology obviously for me i'm, I'm very you know quick to learn different things and I'm, I'm eager to learn these things and and i love love making stuff i mean like, mm-hmm. like so i didn't even know this existed before that you know so whenever i saw it i was just like eyes wide open just like wait a minute mm-hmm. are you i could do this as a job <laughs> yes please sign me up for that mm-hmm. um so yeah it was there's a lot to that <laughs> that's nice um so i think you you also um had a associate degree if i'm if i'm uh, right right i did that was from nctc um okay. i started there before i went to unt Okay. Um, so how did you first learn about Makerspace when you first started? Um, you know, even before, for me, uh, it was like, you know, the first time when I started, make, um, uh, you know, working at Makerspace, everything was new, like the 3D printing and, you know, laser printing, uh, all these things I had to learn um, once I got here. Uh, but I did have a background in audio, which really helped me to, you know, um, uh, focus more in the audio aspect of the makerspace um but but how do you think uh you know uh what made you interested in makerspace um uh, you know uh, working as well as working right now as well as getting into the makerspace environment i guess uh i was working in um, advanced research lab before and they received a 3d printer there from a grant Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it sat there for uh, three or four months and nobody did anything with it. And so I, I asked about it and they told me, oh, well, nobody knows how to use it. So 
I was like, well, um, right here, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started using that. And so when I started doing that, I started looking into it more and started realizing, you know, all the other aspects to what a makerspace is, all the different tools, uh, software and everything like that. Um, and just kind of started, it was a snowball effect. You know, I started learning one thing and mm-hmm. started finding out and I'm like, okay, well, what about this? And just kind of kept going. And now I'm here. <laughs> Um, I know you had a little bit of experience in technology and everything, and your degree also prepared you to get into this job. But what other skills did you uh, have before working in the makerspace, before working, getting into makerspace? Uh, I guess for one of me, one of the skills that I have is problem solving. I, I feel like I am I'm very quick to identify problems and then either how I can figure out how to solve them mm-hmm. or who I can find that can help me solve them. Cause there's a lot of things that were above my head, but if I can call this person or this person they can get me here or I can do this. Um, so problem solving is a huge one. And then just, uh, just being creative on how to like solve that solution and know that there's not always one way to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at first maybe the solution I found wasn't very elegant, but it worked. Um, and so it was just kind of the way I got started was just doing that and just having those skills to identify and, you know, go after it. Okay. Um, so, so, and you've been working here at the Fab Lab for about six years, uh, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 And uh, year least, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what major challenges do you uh, have to overcome while working at Fab Lab? Oh, major <laughs> challenges. That's, hmm, I guess like one of the, the challenges that I see, oh, let's see. I, I try to, so all of our services are free. Mm-hmm. The printing's free. We have a plotter printer, a large format printer, all these things, vinyl cutting, all those. Challenge is trying to make sure I have all the tools and supplies I need for everyone. Mm-hmm. but being reasonable. Um, so we had to put a few limitations here and there on what people could print on the plotter because, you know, materials for that machine are extremely mm-hmm. expensive. Um, so that was one of the challenges is just being mindful of what we have and what we can use and how to use it properly and not being wasteful. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, another challenge, which I know this might sound crazy, but uh, sound, um, uh, three sides of my lab on the other side of the wall are study spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a gaming area in our lab as well, uh, along with 3d printers. And, and it's just a, it's just an area for people to, you get loud in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a challenge to be able to do some things, uh, but still be respectful of the people that are outside of that walls that you may not see. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a time, um, when things did not go according to plan. Um, what did you learn and how did you fix it? Ooh, when things didn't go as planned, uh, the audio or the gaming area that I talked about, it, it did not go as planned when we mm-hmm. first started this, uh, the whole 
when we we went from a smaller room to a larger room and that we had budgeted for an audio video setup somehow it got cut off the list and nobody noticed until it was time to build and mm -hmm. uh so we had to kind of scramble to figure out an alternative we were able to basically borrow a couple of tvs to get us by until we could get a company in to to do that mm -hmm. um so it was uh it was definitely something that did not go according to plan mm -hmm. and something we had to again find a little solution a temporary solution when i say temporary it was probably a year but oh, wow. mm -hmm. when it comes to academics sometimes that's about right for planning and, and everything that goes into it mm -hmm. that's nice I um, think we, yeah yeah we had a lot of meetings and, and we just had to be very persistent during that time of being mm -hmm. like okay we need to get this done so uh -huh. not letting it slip off the, the radar again mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about the time management aspect? I, I know uh, as a maker, you get to do a lot of things, not just one aspect of, you know, uh, the technologies uh, thing, uh, you know, uh, you know, you don't just focus on 3D printing, but you focus a lot of things. How did you manage your time? How did uh, how did that, you know, affect your, um, you know, uh, was that a kind of like a challenge or um, over a period of time, did you kind of like, you know, figure out a way to manage? To manage the time doing the projects? Mm -hmm. saying? Um, man, some of that, I have a hard time with that sometimes, um, just because certain projects you get wrapped up in and, and realize they take a lot longer. Um, I would just have to set time limits on some things and just realize that like you have till this time to either get it done or you're going to have to move it to this time. Mm -hmm. um, I've been using Trello uh, for a lot of things for project mm -hmm. projects and stuff on there. Um, I don't know if you've ever used it before. No, I haven't. Uh, yeah, look up Trello. It's it's really good for you know projects and and being able to uh, just keep track of your progress on there. So. Mm -hmm. Um, it's things that I use for, you know, daily projects, daily assignments, um, long-term projects, things like that have lots of different artboards. So yeah, check that out and, and, and use it. And that's, that's one of the things I had to, had to do because you get wrapped up in a project and, and I sometimes am a bit of a perfectionist on things. So if things aren't exactly right. Mm -hmm. I will sometimes spend way too much trying to get it to work right when mm -hmm. I probably could just not do that and mm -hmm. it would be fine mm -hmm. um so yeah that's a fault of mine <laughs> that sounds more like me because like uh when i whenever i have something to do work on and i'm like yeah i want this to be right i want this to be you know the way i want it to be and yeah. and and i spend more time on that and uh sometimes i'll lag on the other aspects and i can completely understand you know how you can get carried away you know with one project and you know <laughs> yeah and you, you just you realize that nobody else is going to notice it uh-huh but you're going to notice it. yes <laughs> like, exactly like, no, it has to be right you're like and other people are like no it's fine no it has to be right <laughs> yeah um so if you look back and think about a setback um that led to your future success what would that be mm, a setback mm -hmm. i'm not really sure on setbacks just i mean 
there's a lot of little hiccups along the way, but mm-hmm. nothing's been really like a major setback on that. Usually it's, you know, you put out dumpster fires all the time that set you back a little bit, but it's just overcoming those and learning how to adapt and move on. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, really had, hasn't been a whole lot of setbacks on that. Okay. Uh, we can move on to the next one. <laughs> uh, hell you fine um are there uh, are there resources you utilize when learning something new or troubleshooting something oh yeah absolutely um i mean let's be honest here <laughs> google youtube maybe even a reddit thread mm-hmm. i have no shame in it i'm gonna go look at those mm-hmm. um most of the stuff most of the equipment that we have i've had to learn how to use it on my own. I've had to learn how to use the software on my own. I, I could sit there and fiddle around with things for a while and probably figure something out, mm-hmm. but the time on task is going to be way longer unless I just go look it up mm-hmm. and find out the proper way to do it. Um, so yeah, I have, I have no shame in it. I mean, just being honest, like if I can't figure it out, mm-hmm. type it into Google, we're going to find something that can help somebody else. I guarantee has had the same problem you've had. You know, somebody's already created tutorials to show you software. Mm-hmm. There's no point in just stepping into it blind and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. So, I've, yeah, there's, those are some definite resources I use quite often. Yeah, I completely agree with that because like, I've used Google and YouTube and everything uh, just to, you know, learn something quick. Mm-hmm. And I think it has been effective um, and technology has certainly, you know, uh, with the internet and everything uh, being online, it's, it's certainly useful. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, did, did anyone ever have a fear or did you have a fear or hesitation of developing new skills in a makerspace? I don't know that I have, but students, absolutely all the time um i mean just being honest like it's i've especially when it comes to 3d printing i have a lot of people that come in and they're like i can't do that oh i could never do that Mm -hmm. and i i tell them so about four years ago uh me and a coworker we did a design camp and it was for students second grade through eighth grade Mm -hmm. it was only a few hours long like every day for like a few days or like I think it's four or five days. Anyways, um, and we taught these students how to use Tinkercad. And I don't know if you've looked it up. It's very oh, basic. Yeah. It's very uh-huh. easy to use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I use that as an example for any student that walks in there and tells me I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And if I tell them I can teach a second grader to do this, mm-hmm. you can do this. Mm-hmm. It gives them that confidence like, oh, okay, well, if a second grader can do this, then yeah, I definitely can. Mm-hmm. And, and I set them down and, and show them the software and say, like, this is how easy it is to even start. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you have to create something complex, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you can use that program right there and build some amazing things, even with it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with very little CAD knowledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've used Tinkercad and, uh, you know, I think... It, it does create that motivation, especially when you kind of like say, you know, a second grade, when a second grader can learn uh, and then they immediately, oh, okay, so it should be easy. And it does, you know, help them to kind of like dive into it. 
Yeah. I, I really like that. <laughs> if I can teach a second grader <laughs> an hour to an hour and a half, how to at least start making things mm-hmm. you guaranteed can you can do it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what skills do you think Makerspace contributes to student engagement in a classroom um, and the real world? I guess it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about problem solving um, mm-hmm. and encouraging like creativity. Mm-hmm. And to me, it, it especially students that are coming in there for prototyping, it it shows them that you can fail and keep failing and keep failing, but you're making progress. And then to see the end result, um, I think it really hits students whenever they see that, like, oh, you know, they get discouraged the first couple of times. I mean, I've had people that come in that have made dozens of prototypes and each one's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they scrap the idea entirely and they go to another idea. Mm-hmm. But you can see the creativity and their mind working through that. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like those skills go beyond what we teach them here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think creativity uh, is something that I learned, um, you know, even before getting into, uh, you know, makerspace. I think uh, after working over here, it definitely helps with problem solving and everything, you know, uh, to be able to. Yes, I felt many times when I st- first started uh, printing, uh, you know, be it 3D printing or laser printing. I failed many times, but that's how you learn. I think uh, I, I think makerspace does create that environment. Uh, I, I feel you know for you to it's okay to fail. You don't have to be very good or smart at certain things, but you learn, and it does you know um, have that environment of uh, learning together and you know yeah. collaborative stuff that we do. Yeah, you know it's a try and fail. Like you know it's just a, it's a stepping stone to succeeding. That it's not this is it. You failed. You're done. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well try again. And, mm-hmm. and that's usually the kind of attitude and even the way I'll tell them like, well, try again. Like mm-hmm. what, what's the problem mm-hmm. to show them like, this is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You failed. Okay. Do it again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it, it does. Do you think about, you know, for students or for patrons in general, uh, does it create uh, some sort of a fear of trying when when they fail or when they kind of like what is the you know how do, how do you, how can you motivate uh, apart from you know uh, if 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 they wanted to do something really big but uh, they don't know how to do that and how would you motivate or how would you train them in order to get there? In order to make something, is that what you um, uh, yeah. What would be the training process uh, for you to get rid of that fear aspect? If someone has a fear, you know, um, of learning certain certain things, be it a student worker or a patron. Um, well, I mean, I try to let them know that we're in the lab to help them with that. Um, that immediately lets them know that they're not trying to do this by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that they have somebody that they can lean on for questions and for assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I definitely try to encourage them to learn it, mm-hmm. um, and not do that for them, mm-hmm. but the, yeah, if you have questions, come in and ask, schedule time. If I'm in here, just come ask a question, whatever it may be. Um, and then just uh, giving them, you know, depending on what project they're wanting to work on, 
seeing if I can't find some resources that can help them. Mm-hmm. So if they're wanting to create something, I might let them know about Tinkercad or, you know, Thingiverse or something where they could go download it and maybe put it in Tinkercad and modify it. Mm-hmm. Or if they want something more complex, here's a list of some more complex CAD software that are a step above that, but maybe a step below what you would consider professional software, like professional grade software. Um, and send them out and let them know like, yeah, there's plenty of resources and tutorials on how to use this. If they're mm-hmm. wanting to use like Raspberry Pis, mm-hmm. give them a few ideas. We have a few kits here. You can check one of our kits out so you don't mm-hmm. have to go buy one. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Plenty of resources online. Here's a few sources. Go check it out. Bring it back in a week. And, and, and we've had some, you know, like they might just go buy their own. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they finished their project or maybe mm-hmm. they didn't want to do it, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but just, just to give them that, like, Hey, you're not, you don't have to do all this by yourself. We're going to try to help you. And if we can't, we'll try to find some resources that can help you. Mm-hmm. I think the next question is also, um, related to that. Like, what is the role, uh, of making, uh, in your life and profession? Say that again? Uh, what is the role of making, um, a creating uh, in your life and profession? Um, I guess the role for me, like the way I see making is like, if you see a need for something mm-hmm. and if it does something, you know, you can't, if there isn't a solution for it, make it. Um, I know there's people that come in and they want to print things and, Instead of reinventing it, we'll look on Thingiverse. There it is. It's there. They don't have to. Great. Mm -hmm. I've had people look on there and they're like, well, I don't find it. I'm like, well, then you're going to have to make it. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously nobody else did it for you. You're going to have to do this yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the same way I feel about if I'm looking for something. If I look on Thingiverse and it's not there, I'm like, well, okay, I guess we're going to have to go make this one ourselves and and do that. But um, I guess the reset role of making, right? Yeah. You know, for me, a little behind there, but uh, I've got a three-year-old daughter, so I definitely encourage her to be creative and to see her imagination and creativity and just make stuff. And I want to continue to encourage that mm-hmm. um, because it's just, it's amazing to see her work. I mean, it's just mind-blowing to me sometimes, right? How quickly she picks things up and how much she's eager to learn that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. that's more in my own personal life how making is important mm-hmm. so i actually have my own 3d printer at the house as well that's mine mm-hmm. um so she's a little young for it right now being three <laughs> but yeah you can you can better believe that uh she's gonna end up getting used at oh yeah absolutely oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what is the role of a maker space in your community for you know your community patrons for the community patients. So, hmm. Are, I don't know, is your makerspace available to everyone? Um, students, just for students as of students. right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, that's what ours is. Well, student, staff, faculty. So anybody at the university. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we've done some, we've worked with different organizations and, uh, you know, in the community, we worked with the Amon Carter Museum. Mm-hmm. Um, UNT Health Science Center, uh, mm-hmm. TCU School of Medicine. That's a long name. Well, no longer that. It's just the TCU School of Medicine. Uh, we've worked with projects for them. 
Um, so we've done projects with the community, but also if we have anybody in the community that contacts us, that's wanting to use it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, like I said, ours is for students, staff and faculty, but mm-hmm. I do, I do direct them to the couple of public libraries that are nearby mm-hmm. that have some maker spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, look, I, you know, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, this is our policy, mm-hmm. but here are a few places that you can go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, to still be able to do what they're wanting to do, so I definitely encourage them to to reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Do uh, do you happen to do a lot of outreach for you know schools or anything of that sort um, on a regular basis? Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the projects that we've had, they've come to us, mm-hmm. and we've you know we're usually on board if somebody's wanting to to do a project with us, and we okay. Okay. Yeah, well, there's and, and a lot of ours have been with we've had some outreach when it comes to our students mm-hmm. that want to do a project with some other organization and they need our help. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done that as well. Okay. Um, so what are the uh, some of the programs you have developed or organized that help kids to develop uh, different uh, develop creative problem solving skills? Um, some of the programs that we've developed, uh huh, that you've developed uh, over a period of time, or you know, you you you've seen people uh, do certain programs that kind of like really helped, you know, uh, in developing problem solving skills for kids. I we've done some. We've also worked with. Uh, we have a another department here on campus that's done more of that mm-hmm. um and i've helped with some of the i guess the curriculum really just what they teach i've helped them develop it um not really much as in the lab mm-hmm. they do human centered design thing i don't know what it's called right off the top of my head at the moment mm-hmm. um but that's what they do Mm-hmm. So what we've done is support that. Okay. Okay. Um, so my next question is, uh, what would you say uh, is the most sought after tool or equipment in your space? Oh, most sought after tool or equipment. Yeah, that would definitely be either the 3D printing or our plotter printer, the giant like 36 inch wide plotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, printer it gets used a lot mm-hmm. um, 3d printing would probably be would probably be next um, followed by like laser and gaming and stuff like that we're definitely trying to increase the gaming area activity mm-hmm. uh, with some like after hours game nights and stuff that we're gonna try to host mm-hmm. but yeah 3d printing is it's probably the most used okay um, what is your making process or approach like uh, do you need to be in a certain mindset to create hmm do i need to be in a certain mind i mean what is your process of you know uh, what what is your you know mindset uh, when you want to create something new uh, at your space or at your you know you want to implement something new uh, what would i guess i try to process? visualize it that's like the first step is trying to visualize what we're trying to do. Um, either the process or the result, maybe both, whatever it may be. 
if there's something we're trying to reach, how can we get there? Mm-hmm. Um, what we need to get there. Uh, and I use a whiteboard, you know, we we sketch things, dimensions, how things might work or be put together. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, no problem with that at all. So like, it's still the, to me, that's still visualizing. It's just getting that visualization out of my head mm-hmm. uh, so that we can look at it and be able to actually see it and decide, like, is that going to work? And if we think it might, mm-hmm. we try to make it and see if it's going to work or fail. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, what services do you think um, has yielded the most success or impact at your workplace? Hmm. The most success? Yeah. Maybe the 3D printing still. Yeah, I mean, like, um, I guess before COVID, yeah, and I'm sure we'll talk about that because that was a different time. But, uh, you know, we try to have the students do most of the work in, in the printing. Um, and I say that because we stand by and step them through that, but it allows the students to see the process all the way through from like slicing to, you know, even pressing the start button to the final product, all that. I feel like that the 3d printing helps with that because there's so many more steps involved and watching them take it from beginning to end, from design to setting it up to printing and actually seeing it on the printer and knowing that they press the start and this is theirs printing and then they get it off there. Um, you know, it's, we're not Kinko's, you know, just come in drop it off and be like, Oh, I'll be back in five or six hours and pick it up. You know, there's, there's not as much learning out of that. Um, and there is when it comes to the 3D printing, designing something and seeing it in a design concept or even on a screen versus having it in their hand is, it's, it's it definitely, sorry, my computer was acting weird. Are you there? Oh yeah, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> it just popped up and said signed out. So I was like, oh, interesting. Um, I feel like that's, yielded the most success or impacted them more seeing something go all the way through the steps Mm -hmm. um, versus you know like the posters where they come in and they print it and it's it's not as everyone's seen a printer work but not everyone's really seen 3d printing and see something go from you know you know filament which looks like weed eater string really to an object that you can hold in your hand. It's, it's a pretty big impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what services do you, uh, oh, not that. Oh, let's go on to the next one. What are uh, some exciting uh, success stories um, that you've come across? I think, um, I think you've stated 3D printing for the most part. Uh, anything, that, anything else that you can uh, think about? About success, success stories. stories. Um, I mean, we've had uh, we've definitely had some some projects come through. We've had students that have come through that have even worked in the lab that have gone on um, to work at some pretty exciting careers and stuff. And and um, you know, the lab was just a step in that you know in that direction. Um, we've had people that have made prototypes. Uh, that have gone on to actually create their designs and like, you know, go through with another department. So we helped them prototype, they helped them 
through the making it process, meaning like getting a manufacturer set up and getting all that kind of stuff done. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also have a, uh, uh, I think it's called, it's called create and it's a, uh, a challenge that they do, uh, that students can, uh, submit a presentation and actually present at this. It's called the Shattuck create. I think is what it is. I'd have to look it up. Uh, but what it is, is they can pitch their idea mm-hmm. and at this you know, pitch presentation, they're able to get, you know, anywhere from a few hundred dollars to several thousand dollars to help make their ideas. Um, and so we've had several people that come in the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are, you know, pretty easy. We do it and they're gone. There's others that are way more involved and they're running it down to crunch time, trying to get it over there. Um, and that's, that's always been kind of fun to see them, you know, put this design together and then go over there and be awarded, mm-hmm. you know, funding for mm-hmm. this project that they just had an idea. And that happens quite often where people come in and like, I have an idea. <laughs> What's your idea? Let's hear it. So talking about ideas, uh, did you have any of your student workers who kind of like had an idea and you kind of like implemented that in your work area, like a makerspace area, and it became a huge success, something like that? Hmm that they've like like say for example like you know you have uh, a vr you kind of like creating your own uh vr kind of a thing and programming and everything uh coding and everything so uh, did you any uh, come across anything of that sort or it, it could be anything it doesn't have to be that it could be anything that your students had an idea or a vision and you felt that, oh, that would be a good one to work on for our makerspace. Mm, not off the top of my head at the moment. I mean, anytime my students have ideas, you know, I'm always, always about, you know, like, oh, we need to make changes. Let's make some changes because mm-hmm. um, the area is for them. So if, you know, if, if a student comes in, it's like, oh, well, I think we need to have this, mm-hmm. uh, this equipment. Okay, well. Yeah, you're right. We need that. Um, so there's been changes like that along the way that we've you know come up against. But um, yeah, it's really been about about it. Okay, okay. That I can think of right now. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, what advice would you give students interested in working at a makerspace, and what qualities do you uh, look for a student worker? Hmm. The best advice, and this is what I tell my student workers when they start, is uh, don't expect every day to be the same. Um, Because like I said earlier, students come in all the time and say, I have an idea. And I can guarantee you those ideas are not always the same. Some of them, you hear it and you're like, okay, yeah. And then others, you're like, oh, yeah, you're going to have to explain that to me because I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, So I, I try to tell them like, don't expect the same thing. You, you might have something really simple one day, really hard, you know, really interesting, you know, all kinds of different things. And uh, it comes in just, just crazy ideas. Um, I guess for, you said qualities. Mm-hmm. So you said, what qualities do you think uh, would help? I guess for like skills kind of thing, I do like to see, um, I, I prefer a Photoshop Illustrator kind of thing. Like if they have that, it's not required, but it is beneficial much like if they have any CAD knowledge, it's beneficial, but not required. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think one of the qualities really is if they got to have people skills, 
Um, they need to be able to solve problems and stuff or at least be a willing. And this is hard for a lot of people. They have to be willing to ask for help. They have to be willing to ask to do, you know, like, and, and just say, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can somebody show me? Or, you know, it's, I don't know. That's a big deal for me. And, and I really think people skills is one of the best ones you can have is you never know who's going to walk in and what project they might have. Um, but you have to be open. They need to be open to whatever project might come in. I, I completely, uh, you know, uh, agree with that aspect because like um, there were times where, you know, when you don't know, there are experts, there are specialists who can kind of like help you to, to learn certain things. I think it's, you know, completely normal to be able to reach out to people who are more skilled than you are. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I don't know all this either. And there's been times where I've reached out to professors on, you know, on campus or something like, hey, can we have a meeting? Because there's some things I need to figure out. And they're usually like, yeah, you know, they're usually on board with helping. So, but that's a big deal mm -hmm. for me, a big quality. Um, and during, um, you know, our interview, you mentioned uh, that you work with, you collaborate with different departments, right? Uh, yes. Faculties and, uh, mm -hmm. and other folks. Uh, so, do do they come up with projects that that they wanted to do and they, they consult right. with you and then right okay yeah most of the time they have something they're wanting to work on or need help with mm -hmm. um or maybe they want to bring their class in mm -hmm. to do something so sometimes it's something they're working on and then mm -hmm. other times it's something they want their students working on mm -hmm. and they'll come to me uh and we've we've reached out to departments as well to let them know that we're here. And, and so that's how we get some come in, but a lot of them are just, you know, people that know we're here and, and want to do, they've done VR. Um, mm. Like I said, the plotter, all the different, the laser cutter, um, whatever it is, they're like, okay, well, how can we implement that in our class? Or we wanted to, but we didn't know it was here. So now that it, we know that it's here, how can we do it? Mm-hmm. That is nice. Um, so I know this is a common question that you uh, you might have come across. Um, how uh, has COVID changed both Makerspace and their projects? What changes have been uh, successful in adapting to these new circumstances? Are there any changes that ha that haven't worked? Oh, what changed? So, so a few of the changes we made, um, obviously, when we came back from all that, because I'm sure you, I know you guys were closed, went online, we did the mm -hmm. same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, when we came back, we uh, implemented a reservation system for each piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. um, that was to help limit the possibility of how many people might be in the room at a time mm -hmm. or, or might be trying to use a specific piece of equipment at a time. Um, at first, I guess one that didn't work is we, we were, we kind of implemented where the lab door was locked. Um, and so you make your reservation and we would actually like walk over and open the door. Uh, that just didn't work. Uh, it was just, you know, everyone was trying to swipe because our door has a swipe on it. So they were trying to swipe their IDs and that wasn't working. And then they're looking in the window and, uh, and then you walk over there and open the door and then you're face to face, you know, like you're right there with them. So it was just like, okay, this isn't working. Let's just stop that. Just leave the door open and let them come in. Um, but we've actually kept the reservation system. 
mm-hmm. um, that was something that you know it actually became more useful than we thought because students could see if a piece of equipment was available before they even walked over here. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to do that. We have a a page for three D printing, and uh, whenever someone three D prints, it prints out a form mm-hmm. that has their name and everything on it that we leave with that printer. So when it comes off. It goes with, you know, with that form. Mm-hmm. When they submit that form, it actually triggers uh, a little box on our website. We have all our printers listed and it will trigger that that one's unavailable. Mm-hmm. And um, if their print job is three hours long, it will keep it red and say unavailable until the time. And then it clicks over to green. So, okay. you know, it's it's really been useful for them to be able to look at it and say, oh, well, all the 3D printers are running. Mm-hmm. But one's going to be finished in an hour. I'll go over there then. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do is if you've made a reservation, you do have a priority over somebody that just walks in mm-hmm. because you have scheduled time specifically yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, what happens like, um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, all these could be monitored uh, by the patron. Uh, the, the yeah. So it's on our. Yeah. The, well, you can't monitor the actual printer. Mm-hmm. But you, if you, whenever it prints out, it gives you a job number. So you can go on the website, you can see that printer number one is running job number, mm-hmm. you know, nine zero zero, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's supposed to finish at a certain time. Okay. Um, so they can look on there and kind of keep track of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if, if it goes wrong, mm-hmm. we actually will, I, I'll, I try to go back in and clear that out because mm-hmm. now it's not printing anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I'll email them and say, Hey, your print failed. Oh, okay. Um, and then they, you know, I do leave that printer available if mm-hmm. somebody wants to come in, but yeah, they can go on there and actually look at it. We might, I would like to eventually set it up to where you can go online and, and visually see mm-hmm. the printers running. Uh-huh. Um, but that's gonna, that's gonna take some more time <laughs> to get that working and more equipment that unfortunately due to COVID, we can't seem to get. Mm-hmm. certain things you know, everything's mm-hmm. back ordered mm-hmm. um, but that is the direction i would like to take that to where they could actually look on there and see their print working right then mm-hmm. that would be nice though uh to have some sort of a technology where they can actually see w- what their print is uh at, you know at a given time and that way they can kind of like you know be well informed if the print has failed it's going to show you Hey, it's going to pop up, something like that. I mean, yeah, that you can would look be at nice. and see it failed. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of technology were you planning on um, implementing? Um, that? On that specific printer, or buying some more printers, but uh, we were planning on using uh, Raspberry Pis mm-hmm. for that. Uh, we were going to use OctoPrint, some plugins and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, trying to find a way to work with OctoFarm mm-hmm. software. I don't know if you've seen it. We've used Octoprint, but I, I don't know much about so, Octofarm. Octofarm lets you control mm-hmm. multiple printers from one interface. Okay. You can either click on it and select the printer and, and run it from there. And again, if there's cameras attached, you mm-hmm. can visually see it. Huh. Um, you can also push one file to multiple printers at one time mm-hmm. through Octofarm. Um, so that's what we'd like to do. And I'd like to be able to see if there's a way that I can pull the, the visual or like the video, uh, files from that and put it on a web page that has nothing else attached. So they can't access anything else, but they can see the, 
actual cameras running. Okay. But unfortunately, I can't get a hold of very many Raspberry Pis and stuff like that right now. So kind of short on those. <laughs> That's that's good. That um, that's a good um, you know, um, thing to use over here as well because like we have we have Octoprint as of right now mm -hmm. that we run, and uh, we can definitely look into Octoform and uh, how to install uh, maybe cameras to each printer. It's super easy. We played around with it. We had two Raspberry Pis here, mm -hmm. like the two mm -hmm. kits I told you we had. Uh, we set one of them up with Octoprint, mm -hmm. and then used the other one for Octo Farm. Mm -hmm. And then I even brought in one of the Raspberry Pis, my own personal one. So we mm -hmm. had two Raspberry Pis and then one Raspberry Pi, or sorry, two Octo Prints, mm -hmm. one Octo Farm. Mm -hmm. um, and we were able to control the two Raspberry Pis from one page. Oh. Um, you, and it keeps track of everything. You can even select what color is printing on a machine and it will keep track of how much filament is used from that color. Oh, how much wow. print time it's ran for that mm -hmm. print, how much print time it's ran for that day. Hmm. It collects all of it into one web page. That is that is excellent. I think we we should probably look into something like that to yeah. implement, you know. Yeah, and that's that's like amazing. Octoprint, it's free. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. yeah, you just need to have another Raspberry Pi to put it on. And we were running it from a Raspberry Pi 4. Oh, okay. So using on that. Okay. Um, so yeah, look that up. You it might be. How many yeah. do y'all have? Um, we have uh, a lot of printers. Well, we have, I think, close to uh, 10 printers, okay. uh, which are like self-service. Okay. Uh, and then uh, we have a, a full service, which is, again, you know, patrons have to submit their files and everything, and it has to be approved. So okay. that is a separate uh, thing altogether. But I think uh, this would be an uh, amazing thing to look into moving forward because like that way we get a lot of times we get patrons uh, calling in, hey, I submitted my print uh, and I I'm still waiting, you know, yeah. is, it, is, it, is it in progress? It says in progress, but um, I don't know what's happening. So, right. and I think this would be an amazing uh, step moving forward to implement and, you know, uh yeah. see how how you know I, I think it definitely helps patrons yeah. to you know uh see their when they could see their print it suddenly helps you know uh right. and how do y'all manage the uh do y'all have octo print on each one um yes uh-huh so how do y'all manage it um we 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 have a, a a server uh number like a you know uh code uh ip address and then we create a username and a password for each ip address so and that's how we manage octoprint as of right now but okay. i think uh the way that you tried uh with with, with your uh, you know uh makerspace i think it would be an excellent thing for us to implement yeah or look we're, into. we're working on that and the other thing we were working on is we use uh cura as the slicing software yeah um yeah. and you actually it has the print tab on the top Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to link each Octoprint on there. Um, so you could actually select the printer you wanted mm -hmm. and then hit print from there and it would send it to that specific printer. Oh, okay. um, so you can actually do that all within Cura. Now, one of the printers we have does not have Cura software mm -hmm. or it doesn't work with it, mm -hmm. but 
what we were able to do is uh, with the software that we would slice it with, we'd save the G code. Mm-hmm. Cura could print that G code. It couldn't do anything with it, but it could print it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we would just use the other software to slice it, mm-hmm. bring it into Cura, and then hit print, and it would send it to that printer as well. Oh, okay. Um, so it's if you if you're interested in that, that's another way that we were looking at doing it, so that um, instead of having to select different printers from like an IP address or something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was just a drop down menu uh, uh-huh. in Cura on which printer you wanted to use. Oh, okay, that's nice. Yeah, uh, that's definitely something that we'll look into. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you have yeah. any questions about it because that's one of the, those are the things that we were testing out. Mm-hmm. Um, we we ended up taking them off there for now and putting the kits back away. Mm-hmm. But we just wanted it was more of a trial run. We needed to see if what we were wanting to do would actually work. I I um, think we have this met a process of you know selecting from the drop down for the printer uh, for mm-hmm. the full service, but not for the you know self service uh, ones. Yeah, the self service one. The reason why we had kind of like a separate uh, IP address for a particular user is when we check out something, you know, to a patron, um, all we give them is provide them as just the address and we type it, uh, type in the password and everything. And right. so once they logged in, uh, so once they send the print, that's, that's pretty much it. You know, uh, that's the process that we've been using, but I think I like the uh, Octo farm style of, you know, uh, doing things, I, I, I would we would definitely look into that, and uh, if if we need any help, we will certainly reach out to you too. Yeah, because that's that's we were uh, we were trying to use the plugin uh, Polar Cloud. Polar Cloud. Oh. Yeah. Don't don't. Um, okay. Yeah, like when we first started looking at it, it looked like an option, but then mm-hmm. once we started digging into it, they have a uh, educational package, or you know, like institutional package and it's 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 just too expensive it really is it was like a few thousand dollars Mm -hmm. um, for their software a year and it seemed like you know with with what octoprint and octofarm and a few other things that we were looking at could do it Mm -hmm. didn't seem like it was worth it at that time so it was we chased down a rabbit hole for no reason on that one and it it didn't (laughs) didn't go well okay (laughs) that's 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 a good uh thing to uh, make a note of uh thank you again for sharing that (laughs) no problem um what things do you think actively engage your community members and your makerspace um that became an integral part of your outreach activities at i think um we were doing some workshops before uh, mm-hmm. COVID and, you know, those were really good. Um, they didn't do as many as we would like. Mm-hmm. COVID hit, we just, of course, shut them down afterwards. Uh, last semester, we started picking them back up and we're trying to do some this semester. We're using a different web page to do all of it. And so mm-hmm. we're still trying to get all that ironed out so that people will see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, having, having an hour to an hour and a half workshop is, is very beneficial, um, just to sit down with somebody and show them a simple task, um, to show them what the lab has to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we had one last week that was over vinyl cutting. We did stickers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that's super easy. Um, doesn't take much time, but it, it brought them in. They could see what was here. We showed them the schedule for what we're going to be doing and, you know, for the next, for the rest of the semester. 
mm-hmm. um, and had several that are wanting to sign up for those. We're doing one that's over basic sewing, mm-hmm. you know, just stitching on a button, hem some pants or, you know, something simple like that. Those kind of uh, activities um, really just kind of let them see what they're really capable of doing. I think they, I really think that people are way more creative mm-hmm. um, than they give themselves credit for. I really Absolutely. Do. Yeah. Um, and and it's, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I think like uh, the, the main reason uh, they, they have a hesitation towards creating something new is because they're, they're fearful uh, of how the output would be, you know, oh, yeah. is it going to uh, succeed? Am I going to succeed at the end or is it going to fail? I think that is creating a barrier for them to be able to create. Uh, and I've had that before when I was trying to create something and, and I've seen people who have the similar kind of like, you know, a fear aspect to be able to, you know, oh yeah. Right. But I think uh, as you mentioned, you know, when you try to experiment, you know, you, when you're trying to find a, you know, uh, a model or something in Thinkiverse and it's not there, you have to create it. So yep. you have to, you know, jump in and, you know, just go for it. And even, even, even before thinking about what the output is, I think, you know, just experiment and see, you know, uh, you can do it. Yeah. That fear of failure is, is sometimes really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I completely, you know, uh, yeah, get that. Um, so uh, my final question today um, would be, what are some of the best practices you think that make your makerspace an enjoyable space to learn? Oh, I think we've kind of covered a lot of that, really. I mean, you know, we want it to be um, a place where people can come and be creative. And I, I think that's what we try to do. And we try to make it an inviting space that people want to come into and, and want to do projects and want to learn. Um, and I mean, even with the gaming stuff, some of that is just for fun. Like we have an area um, that we have, it's, it's called no, that end of the room, that's where all the gaming stuff is. It, we call it no quarters for like the old video game machines, you know, mm-hmm. except you don't use quarters, it's all free. Um, and, you know, that's, that is an enjoyable place that people can come in and just play some games if they want to. Um, but then they might come over and just sit there and study too, because they just want to be there, for, you know, to be in that kind of environment. Um, but we, we want it to be a place where anybody can go to. Mm-hmm. And, and we try to do our best to, to provide that space for them. That that's um and thank you again uh once again for uh you know for interviewing with us and uh it's been an interesting and engaging discussion and trying to learn new softwares and uh some of the things that you shared with us uh was quite new that we would definitely wanted to try at our space and uh i would certainly you know um you know reach out to you if if we needed any help with that and uh and we would like to you know uh work on that yes yeah yeah absolutely and i i uh i think i can't we can move into y'all's makerspace probably four years ago or five years it's been a while since i've been on campus i 
parking is sometimes terrible, which you already know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I haven't been to UNC in a while, <laughs> um, but we've been over there. But I'd, I'd definitely like to uh, to come back over and just see what you guys are doing there. And you guys are always welcome to come here and check it out. Just Absolutely. let me know. Yes. And uh, I love you know, I love showing off the space. That's what it's for. And mm-hmm. it's it's good to see what other people are doing you know mm-hmm. and, and kind of open up like see their creativity and it helps you be creative and helps me be creative by going there to see your you know yes. your space mm-hmm. so yeah you know thanks for for thanks for having me on here like i this is fun for me i love this kind of stuff i always, I, I always will <laughs> i love this too and i mean being able to interact with people and uh learning uh you know uh some of the things that they are working on and sharing knowledge and sharing uh, the kind of technology that, you know, uh, each, uh, each of us do and, and be able to learn from those and finding the best practices to yeah. work on. I, I think it's fascinating. Um, I think uh, this podcast has really opened up uh, for us and to you know to learn uh from uh other makers from you know uh everywhere uh and what what works best uh for the patrons and what kind of um you know uh programs that we could kind of like you know uh introduce to our patrons i i think it's it's definitely uh gonna be a good thing for us to uh, work on and yeah uh, thank you again uh for being here today um, thanks for having me oh you're welcome uh, <laughs> uh is there any any question that you wanted to uh close off with uh um no not that i can think of like i said i'm i uh i'm definitely interested in and in, and in coming there and and checking out the space um just to see what you guys are doing now, like i said like you were like you were even saying about implementing it here i can probably go there and get ideas and i have i I have no problem with seeing what we're doing here if we can help somebody else. Yes, uh-huh. and that's that's what I that's what I want. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. Any any time, and uh, well, we will we would be happy to you know uh, show our space and uh, what we do over here at UNT. Um, cool. And again, thanks again for joining us this evening, uh, and uh, and we'll hope to meet 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 again sometime later. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for listening to our UNT MindSpark podcast, and I hope you enjoyed our discussion with Brad. Until next time with another episode of MindSpark series, signing off, Madan.